Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. If we don't learn as Christians that to be saved doesn't mean that sin is eradicated, you're going to be very discouraged. It can be overcome because Paul says, sin shall not have dominion over us. But we must recognize that all through the journey from earth to glory, we will have to battle with this old nature that we have, that we've inherited from Adam. There is a battle that goes on all through the years. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and be so easy if we learned our lessons the first time around. If only we all stopped sinning once we got saved. Unfortunately, this is not the case. As long as we are on this earth, our bent towards sin pulls us off track. Even more peculiar is how we make the same mistakes over and over again. In today's message, Pastor Ed teaches on Abraham's life, including the poor choices he made more than once. Always live in a way that guards against those slippery areas where you have a tendency to fall. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message. The title of my message this morning is, When God Saves Us From Ourselves. When God Saves Us From Ourselves. The most difficult battles we face in life are sometimes the battles that we make for ourselves. The ones that we create out of our own decisions. We often find ourselves in situations and circumstances that have the potential to undo us. And that's where Abraham is in this chapter. I read a quote in Christianity Today. It said, a man's worst enemy, I tell you, will never do to him the harm that he does to himself. Think about that. Is that true? As you look back over your life, Let me read it once more. A man's worst enemy, I tell you, will never do him the harm that he does himself. For Abraham, that's the case in the 20th chapter of the book of Genesis. He reverts to an old plan, an old strategy that reeks of carnality. The amazing thing is Abraham is just coming off a tremendous victory. He had seen God and heard God's promise directly to him. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to bless Sarah. This man was coming off a spiritual high. And now he's faltering. He's stumbling along. Aren't you glad that God providentially reaches down and saves us again and again and again throughout the journey. That's what's happening here in Abraham's life. See, he chose a dangerous course of action. But as we look at this course of action he chose, something is strangely familiar. Yes, the story is told in Genesis chapter 12. It seems so very similar. But as you look into the mirror of God's word, you could see your own track. 
your own race, your own walk. As we look at the dangerous course of action, Abraham faces a challenge. He's going into a new territory and suddenly he reverts to an old strategy. I can imagine him reasoning, it's okay to bend the truth a little, to just, now, you know, uh, color it a little bit. Besides, she is my sister. Especially it's okay to bend the truth, to tell a little lie. It's only a white lie if you're going to save your own skin, you know. When we forsake godly counsel for worldly wisdom, we court with disaster. And that's exactly where he's going. He takes refuge in deceit instead of taking refuge in God. He believes that he could make a fortress, as it were, of his own lies and find shelter in there rather than trusting in God to take care of him. Unbelief is really the reason that he lies the way he does, saying that she's my sister. He's covering up the real relationship. He's using a half-truth and stretching it to cover up the full truth. Walter Scott made that observation. Oh, what tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Sometimes it gets so messy because we fail to trust, fail to believe, fail to rely on God. You see Abraham reverting to this strategy. He leaves God out of the picture and he lies about his relationship. What he does here is he repeats a sin of the past. You see, a sin repeated. The Bible text, verse 2, there Abraham said of his wife Sarah, she's my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerah, sent for Sarah and took her. And verses 12 to 13, he explains it in detail. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. When God made me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love for me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. Remember, 25 years earlier, Abraham came into the promised land. There was a famine in the land. What a surprise. Abraham's faith was tested, and it went south. He went down to Egypt because he knew food was there. And then there in Egypt, he lied. And through deceit, he said the same, very similar thing. Sarah's my sister. And Pharaoh took her into his harem. And then Pharaoh was judged by God. And suddenly, Pharaoh sends Abraham and Sarah out. And he is leaving Egypt with his tail between his legs, as it were. He is going rebuked by the unsaved. He's leaving in shame. And there he's just been rebuked. You would think 25 years have passed. Abraham, don't you remember? Hello? Abraham, don't you remember how painful it was? Well, let's make it a little more personal. Look at our journey. Look at your journey. Have you ever experienced sins in your youth or since earlier in life and you do the same thing again 
And you have to go to God again and say, God, I did it again. If we don't learn as Christians that to be saved doesn't mean that sin is eradicated, you're going to be very discouraged. It can be overcome because Paul says, sin shall not have dominion over us. But we must recognize that all through the journey from earth to glory, we will have to battle with this old nature that we have, that we've inherited from Adam. There is a battle that goes on all through the years. We've been impacted by sin. It's like asbestos. Someone can be exposed to asbestos and they can go for 25, 30 years and then suddenly that exposure to asbestos 30 years later shows up. That's why it's so important to avoid sin. Because the consequences are not always, sometimes they are, many times they are immediate, but later on, You could fall back into the same thing that you did earlier in life. Abraham went back to that carnal plan that he had used earlier in life. He leaned on, as it were, that arm of flesh rather than the everlasting arms. We must guard our hearts. Someone has said, believers are often found to slip and fall where they have previously fallen. Believers are often found to slip and fall where they have fallen previously. What's your journey like? As you look back on the story of your life, where has the enemy tripped you up? Don't think because you have been saved 10 or 20 or 30 years that you're not going to have to guard your heart and protect your life. Jesus gave us this in counsel, and we ought to write it in our journals. We ought to keep it ever before us. He said in Mark 14, 38, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. We must watch. We must pray. We must keep our armor on. It's a battle all through the journey. Abraham, you were doing so well. Didn't you learn your lesson? Oh, can't that be said of you? Can't that be said of me? It'll help us to know that this journey requires that we continually walk close to God. You see something else here, not only a sin repeated, but a sin's aftermath. There's always a sin's aftermath. Look at verse 9 of chapter 20. Then Abimelech called Abram and said, what have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should not be done. Abraham sinned, and then Abimelech was affected. And then his whole household was going to be judged. No one lives or dies unto themselves. Everyone who sins impacts everyone around them. Our sins have repercussions. It's like throwing a huge rock into a pond of water. The ripples go out to the ends. So it is with sin. A man decides to spend his money in gambling. And his home, his household suffers. A young person decides that 
they're going to be lazy about their education and they neglect their studies. And so for the future, it means that all sorts of doors that could have been open, that would have been open to them, are not open to them because they just didn't pursue the right course. Now, our sins impact so many people. It's so intertwined. What we do has a rippling effect upon others. It's been said, because of the seamless web of life, the interconnectedness of all things, those who are innocent are often caught up in the consequences of the sinful deeds of others. Here, Abimelech, his whole household, his kingdom, would be affected by his disobedience and by the judgment of God on him. There's something else in this text. It jumps right out at me. We expect a sinner to sin. Fish swim, birds fly. It's as natural for a sinner to sin as it is for a person to breathe. But when a good man, a godly man, sins, the impact is so much greater. The consequences is so far-reaching. Let me read to you a quote. A bad man's example has little influence over good men, but the bad example of a good man has enormous power for evil. Remember the 90s and the televangelists that fell? How that impacted Christianity around the world? Abraham, this man of God, the man who's supposed to represent God and speak for God, the man who is to be a blessing to all people, becomes a curse. (laughs) Sometimes... We fall so short of what God intends us to be and to do. The repercussions are great. We impact those around us. Be careful how you live and how you walk. Because you are the gospel of Jesus Christ to so many. They need to see the power of God in our lives. And that power is only sustained by a continual relationship with God. There's something more. You see a sin repeated, and you see the sin's aftermath, but you also see a sin confronted. Abimelech is angry, and rightfully so. He's been deceived. He's been tricked. He's been wronged. Verses 8 to 10 in chapter 20. Early next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials, and when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should not be done. And Abimelech asked him, what's your reason for doing this? It's a tragedy when the world has to rebuke a believer. When the ungodly have higher standards than the godly. When those who don't know God live better than those who do know God. Here is Abraham being rebuked 
by a non-believer, by a pagan. God can speak to you in a thousand different ways. He could speak to you through the voice of an unbeliever, even through a commercial on television. Listen, I'm speaking to you. Abraham, I am sure, heard God's voice through Abimelech. God spoke through this pagan king, Abimelech. Listen to God's voice. You'll hear it in some of the most unlikely places. God can use a donkey to speak. Josiah, one of the great and godly kings in Israel's history, went into battle. And do you know that God spoke through a pagan pharaoh to him? But Josiah, this godly king, failed to discern and listen to the voice of God. The story is found in 2 Chronicles 35, 22. It says that Nacho said by God's command that Josiah was to leave the battle. Josiah didn't listen. He was wounded fatally, and he died from that wound. Josiah, a godly king, lost his life because he failed to listen to the warning of God. Have your ears tuned. Have your heart prepared. Now, how does Abraham respond? Well, let's take a look at the biblical text for a moment in chapter 20. Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Now, perhaps, just perhaps, Abraham, as he saw Sodom and Gomorrah decimated, as he had interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, and there weren't even 10 righteous people in that community so that as to save that city, perhaps he became so pessimistic that he thought, everybody, there's no good anywhere. And he thought that there was no God-fearing people there. But you know, I see something else in this text. He said, I felt that there was no fear of God here. You know, Abraham... If you feared God a little more, you'd fear men a lot less. Because the fear of God always will deliver you from the fear of men. When we fear God, we don't have to fear people. So Abraham, at this point in his life, he's like you. And he's like me. He begins making excuses. Listen to his excuses. I thought there was no fear of God in this place. Well, they had a lot more fear of God in that place than he thought. He said, besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not my mother, and she became my wife. Notice, he's going to there's a little bit of truth in here, Abimelech, you know. And then, listen to his argument as he goes on. And you catch us in the Hebrew language, not so much in the English, but, and when God had made me wander from my father's household. In the Hebrew, there's a negative connotation to that wander. And what he was saying, well, you know, God made me leave, and I've been wandering around, and I had a, Abraham sort of is blaming God a little bit here. Abraham, come on, fess up. Have a little humility. Hmm. How about me? How about you? When God confronts us with our wrong, what do we do with it? Had Abraham dealt with his sin years earlier, 
Had he understood that where people slip and fall, they tend to fall again. He could have watched and kept himself and protected himself. Here again, Abraham is, thank God for God. Someone has said, he who swims in sin shall sink in sorrow. You can't swim in sin. You're going to sink. You can't keep above it. It'll take you under. But thanks be to God, we have a Savior who rescues the perishing and cares for the dying. We have a Savior who pursues us in our frailties and weaknesses, and he reaches out our hand when we find ourselves in a whole bunch of slime and mess and garbage, and we're being engulfed in that. God, God, God comes through again and again and again. Abraham, do you have any idea what you were jeopardizing? God had just spoken to you and said, Sarah's going to have the promised seed. God's going to give you a child. And Abraham risked all of that. He puts it all on the line. He lets Sarah go into Abimelech's household and become, as it were, one of the members of his harem. Abraham, God promised Are you going to throw away the promise? You're jeopardizing your whole future. You're jeopardizing everything God has said. That's the way sin is. It clouds the mind. It distorts the thinking. When we walk in fear rather than faith, emotion drives us and reason leaves us. And that's where Abraham is right now at this point in his life. But thank God for God because there's a divine course of action. I want you to see the gracious hand of God reaching down into this tangled web and untangling it. Because so many times people create such a tangled web of confusion that on their own they could never get out of it. But God comes through. In verse 6 of chapter 20, we see God's restraining grace. Then God said to him, and he's speaking to Abimelech in a dream, Yes, I know this. You did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now, Abimelech was getting a little self-righteous here. In my integrity, I didn't do this. I didn't know. No, it was true. He was right. But God stopped him and said, Wait a minute. I want you to know that I kept you from going any further. How many times has God stepped into your life and kept you from sinning? Kept you from going a little further? Kept you from some relationship that wasn't right? Kept you from walking where you shouldn't walk? God oftentimes is intervening in the life of his people, unbeknown to them at times. They're not even aware of it. But God, in his grace and mercy, restrains and keeps you from going in the wrong direction. It was in 1779, the preacher John Newton composed a poetic fable to emphasize the truth of man's willfulness and God's overruling providence. Thank God for his overruling providence in our lives. 
As we walk through the life of Abraham, we ultimately see that God did indeed fulfill every promise. Even though Abraham was very old and his wife had been barren for years and years, God's will could not be prevented from happening. The promised child was born and the nation of Israel began. Abraham followed God's directions even when it didn't make any sense. And his faith stands out as a shining example to us today. Even when life around you doesn't make sense, God's purposes can't be stopped. He'll do everything he's promised. We hope these messages have been encouraging to you also as you journey along this life with the Lord. We love bringing the word to you, but we know that life is meant to be done in community with others. Are you plugged into a local church? If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area, we'd love to see you at Faith Assembly. Our services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. You can find out more on our website, buildinginfaithradio.com, or give us a call at 845-462-5955. We'd love to talk with you about any questions you have or walk through what it means to give your life to Christ. That number once again is 845-462-5955. That's all we have time for today. We pray you step forward in faith, leaning on God to provide all you need along the way. Join us again on Building in Faith Radio to learn more about the life of Abraham with Dr. Ed Jones. Your word restores.